If you, if you know me, you know that I have got two small children, uh, wonderful blessings, but I learned something uh, firsthand this year, is that my children have the incredible ability to take a very tidy room and in a matter of minutes, turn it into complete chaos. I don't know if any of you can identify with that this morning, that you just see, oh, you walk out of a room, it's neat, you walk in and you can't even see the floor anymore. My, my kids have that special, special ability. And sometimes actually seeing like their, their playroom and their homeschool area and just kind of like standing at the door and actually just scratching my head and knowing like, how am I even going to wade into this? Now, how am I even going to begin to tidy up this mess? Where do I start? Because um, if you have kids, you understand kids are great at making mess. And even with the most gentle, guiding, loving tone um, and, and wonderful encouragement, they need help to get all of that stuff in order again. And they haven't learned that ability yet to undo the incredible mess that they make. But when I think about that, I, I, I think so much to what this season means when we think about Christmas and that image of this mess and, and not knowing how to step into it, I think so much about what Christ with us, God with us means. That I was in a mess, humanity was in this mess, completely separated from God. We could not sort the mess out that we were in. We could not fix what was causing us to be separate from God. And here, God becomes a man and he dwells with us. He, this incredible, holy God who spoke creation into being, who with one spoken word, there is the Son, the universe, all life stemming from our powerful, holy God, this God who is so other, so holy, all powerful, yet he enters into our mess. So holy, so powerful, so incredible, so just beyond our comprehension, yet unto us a child is born. He enters into our mess and he comes to make it right. I'm so encouraged, I'm so filled with comfort when I think about what this time means for us. This transcendent God becomes tangible, that we can know Him. He becomes part of our physical reality. He enters our mess. And so let's read Isaiah chapter 9. This is our, our Christmas passage that we're going to really be focusing in on. And so from verse 6, for unto us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So uh, Steve started us off last week, but I want to just refresh you on the context of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet, and the role of prophets was to be God's voice to God's people. He had the responsibility of often doing interventions into God's people. That they were doing something wrong. They had kind of lost their way. They had turned away from worshiping God, worshiping false idols. And um, they had kind of lost their way. And God would raise up a prophet. 
he would be God's voice and he would come with a message to God's people, often calling them to repent, change their ways. And if they didn't, there would be some consequences. And in this case, they had uh, gone quite far away from the Lord and the consequences were going to be quite severe. And in a nutshell, the prophecy of Isaiah was God was going to use two military superpowers, the Babylonians and the Assyrians, and they were going to come in And the imagery and the language of Isaiah is as a tree, they were going to be chopped down to a stump. And that stump would be left burnt and smoldering. But then out of that is going to become a seed of hope. And that's where Isaiah just brings in such wonderful prophecies about Jesus, the Messiah, that out of this, there's still going to be hope where God is going to fulfill every single promise that he has made. Every promise he has made about the covenant with his people will be fulfilled, even though they are going to be reduced as a nation to a smoldering stump. That's not great to hear. And as we mentioned last week, we imagine uh, the news broadcast to say, on the one side of the country is a superpower coming uh, to invade, and guys, on the other side, there is a superpower coming to invade, and we're not going to escape this. That is not great news to hear. And it's something that's really interesting. And uh, this is uh, not new to God's people. They have had to deal with uh, armed conflict. And if you uh, thematically look through Scripture, you are going to see time and time again that God uses uh, conflict. He uses armies, even in his love and mercy, he uses the armies of Israel in taking in the promised land, which was promised to them. It's something that we thankfully have had relative peace in, in uh, a number of years. There are some of you here uh, today who have probably had to do conscription, had to do some kind of armed service. But uh, just one of the realities that this world uses power, uses armed forces. I mean, we've still got a national defense force, a navy, uh, an air force, and, and people are spending money protecting their borders because right now, even as we speak, there are countries that are engaged in conflicts. There is battle. Uh, people have had to fight to defend themselves, and it has just been one of the ways that God has acted sovereignly in the world, and especially with his people. And I want you to just uh, track with me thematically as, as we see and remember some of the stories uh, that take place with God's people. If you remember when they were a slave nation in Egypt, and God powerfully takes them out uh, from being a slave nation into the nation of Israel to go into the land that he had given them as an inheritance. They leave Egypt. They're walking towards a sea. They've got the armies of Egypt and chariots bearing down on them. And what does God do? He miraculously steps in to uh, the situation that God's people find themselves in. He parts the sea. They walk through on dry land and he wipes out the armies of Egypt. This nation does nothing. God fights for them. He steps in on their behalf. And he saves them. And we see this pattern. And and look what it says in Exodus uh, 14 verse 31. Because what God is doing is he's laying a marker down for his people. This mighty God, this wonderful counselor. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, 
The people feared the Lord, and this is important. They put their trust in him and in Moses' servants. So here this young fledgling nation going in to be used by God sees the mighty hand of God uh, for them as God steps in. This Again, this transcendent God who becomes present in their lives in a very tangible way saves them. He acts on their behalf in a very direct way. Fast forward a few years, you've got Jericho, a story we know uh, very well, one of the most fortified cities in the world at the time. And how did they defeat it? They walked around it a few times, they worshipped the Lord, and God intervened and dropped the walls. And Israel, God's people, had the victory. Zephaniah 3 verse 17, it's going to be on the screen. Just a great verse for you to add into scripture that you dwell on a lot. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I wish we could go through all of these scriptures and just be refreshed and reminded, but this is what God's people did. In big seasons and and, and when big things were happening, they remembered publicly how the Lord fought for them, how the Lord always went before them. And they understood that there were key times and over and over and over again, God most high, the creator, the holy one, stepped into their situation and saved them. This also happened for people uh, as individuals. One of the greatest underdog stories of all time is the young shepherd boy, David. And he decided that he was going to put an end to the nonsense of the giant Goliath. And as he's processing this and as he's dealing with the king to convince the king to let him as a boy go and fight the giant. This is what it says in 1 Samuel 17, 32. The Lord who rescued me. Again, look how personal that is. This incredible holy God, the creator of the universe, all powerful, rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. And he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Can you see just his thinking here? He sees the track record. He understands the legacy of God. He's seen the hand of this all-powerful God coming into his life over and over and over again. My mighty God who saves. My mighty God, this warrior who fights for me. I've experienced him when I had to defend myself against the lion. And I experienced him and he rescued me from the bear. So I know that I can go up against this person. Because as scripture always points out, every single battle actually belongs to the Lord. Final bit of encouragement from the Old Testament, Psalm 18 verse two, just absolutely love how this describes the Lord. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 
See all of this military language that is used because God's people had to engage in these things. It was one of God's sovereign ways of acting with his people. And as this prophecy in Isaiah um, is being uh, spoken to the people, they've experienced battle. They've experienced the Lord physically coming in and being present in their lives. Now fast forward to where we're at now in, in the New Testament. And uh, we know we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. God stepping in again. Coming again on our behalf. Coming again to do battle for his people. But now we're not seeing physical battles of armies with bows and swords. But we see one of the greatest battles ever fought. But it was Jesus alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. Again, fighting. And we see him before the Father, and it's so agonizing that he is sweating blood. And the battle continues as he is beaten and tortured, and he is just completely silent until he is nailed to the cross where he is waging war with my sin and your sin. And he cries out, it is finished. And he bows his head as he gives up his last breath. But the battle rages. And three days later, the knockout blow is done to our greatest enemies of sin, shame, and death. Through Jesus' own power comes alive again and walks out of his burial chamber, the tomb. And then right at the end in, in the Bible, Revelation 19, we see Jesus riding a horse with a sword and he's given the name the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we know that our victorious Savior Jesus is going to return. And upon his return, we're told that every single knee is going to bow and acknowledge him as the complete ruler of everything. No one is going to have a choice on that day, whether they want to or not. They are going to surrender to the only one who is worthy, our Savior Jesus. And I am encouraged. And here's something. When I think about all of that, when I just uh, try and wrap my head around the fact that this all-powerful, holy, incredible God steps into our lives. This legacy, this track record. Here's my immediate emotion. This, this thing that I feel, the word that comes to me is comfort. And we, we can talk about how hard this year has been. We can talk about what we've gone through. And, and this is one of the things that we want to do with Christmas this year. We don't want to mask our pain. We don't want to try and distract ourselves from what's going on in our lives and, and other people's lives. To kind of look for some reason just to try and find some joy and maybe some shopping and some good food and, and maybe some, you know, something to mask and cover up what's going on. No, we, we want to equip ourselves with Jesus to get us through these kinds of seasons. And how does Christ connect with us in what we're experiencing right now? I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. I use it often. In fact, one of my favorite quotes. And this is what Charles Spurgeon had to say. He said, when going through a trial, God's sovereignty is a pillow on which I lay my head. What he's meaning is this. When he is going through tough times, he sleeps well. Because he knows who God is. And he knows who he is and what he has in Christ Jesus.
this incredible counselor, this mighty God. And so for us, if we really want to try and, 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 and figure out how should I be thinking, how should I be engaging in the world around me at the moment, what should I be processing in the emotions that I should be having, I want to encourage you to lean into this. That we can experience comfort and sleep well at night because I'm resting my head on the pillow of God's sovereignty. Sovereignty is that God is just in control of everything. The sun doesn't rise without him. It doesn't set without him. He spoke all of creation into being. He is my mighty God who saves. And because Jesus rose again and is coming back again, I rest in that. And so my heart is comforted, knowing that God did not even spare his own son. And that while I was still an enemy, Christ died for me. That he loved me first. That he has always stepped in. He has pursued me. He has come after me. He comes into my reality. He stepped into my mess and made it right. And I'm comforted knowing what I have in Jesus. That I am able to sleep well at night. And I know this is hard because like you, I have bad days. And like you, this year has had some really difficult moments. But what I do is I remind myself, and there have been nights this year where I have been wide awake and I have been anxious and I have been stressing. But in those moments, what I do as a discipline is I go back to all the markers that the Lord has set in my life as reminders, just as Israel would declare publicly, remember when we saw the mighty outstretched arm of the Lord and how he saved us from the, Israelite, or from the Egyptians. Remember what he did here and remember what he did here. That I remind myself over and over and over of every time the Lord has come through for me. And how I am still here and that my life is still thriving because it is God, my mighty warrior, who fights for me. He is my refuge. He is my stronghold. He is my shield, the horn of my salvation. Just some incredible imagery and language. In fact, my favorite imagery in all of Scripture comes out of Psalm 23. And it's the end few verses where David is reflecting on his relationship with the Lord and he says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies and my head is anointed with oil. I just, that imagery of here I am sitting at a table and I can eat a meal and my enemies are there because God is my deliverer. God is the one who fights for me. He's the one that came into my life. He's the one that always comes and fights for his people. And so I can have that amount of comfort. And so I want to encourage you with that. To really lean into this word comfort. John 16 verse 33 this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I've said these things to you that you may have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
again, just over and over and over again, this comes up as a reminder that it's just 2020 was coronavirus. Hard lockdown. We don't know what the future holds. We have no idea what's going to come. We are always going to have hard times. But for us as believers, what gets us through this is knowing that our Savior has overcome. That regardless of what happens in this world, my life is secure because of Jesus. That he is God over all. And so I live with that comfort. That no matter what happens, it doesn't change who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It doesn't change that I worship the risen Savior. But that he did not leave me in my mess but came to me, stepped into that mess, fought the battle that I could not fight, and won and has the complete victory. Staying with comforts, because we have and can experience comfort, I want to encourage you guys to think about how you can be comfort to other people during this season. One of the amazing things about Jesus is that he comes to us. He was not hard to find. We don't have to, to go and search for him. He didn't make it impossible for us to, to attain salvation. No, he came and did everything. And so one of the things that that means for us is we get to take Jesus to people and take that comfort, take that love uh, to people who really need it. Um, Church, I want to just share a testimony with you about what's been happening uh, in a community just down the road from us. You have been hearing um, throughout the year how we uh, have been able to, through God's incredible grace and provision, uh, get food parcels into Jackson's Drift Informal Settlement. If you don't know, not 5Ks down the road um, is is a really, really difficult uh, informal settlement where Uh, It's a full-blown humanitarian crisis with what's going on there. People hadn't been eating during hard lockdown for about three weeks before we were able to, by God's grace, get uh, food in there. And what happened is, just because Christ's love compels us, uh, we were going in week after week, uh, taking food in and connecting with people. As a result of that, we were able to start a Bible study number of disabled, elderly, child-headed households, people who didn't have access to church. And again, because Christ comes to us, we were able to take Christ to them. Week one, the Bible study, five people. What a joy to be sitting with some people and to be sharing uh, Christ's love with them. And because so many of you have been involved in that, uh, it started to grow. We found that they didn't have Bibles in their own languages. We started connecting with 11 different languages and, and through people in Riverside, we were able to get Bibles and, and uh, hand out Bibles in the community. A couple of weeks ago, we were just over 150 people at the Bible study. We're now training people to be leaders. And uh, we, we had nearly 14 small groups last week, Wednesday, as we're preaching and, and sharing the love of Jesus. And even in the midst of this crazy world that we're having, God is still building his church. And when we take the love and comforts of Jesus to people, we see the power of God move in incredible ways. We might have lost sight of what's going on, but God has not stopped working. 
and he is still on his throne and he is still the victorious savior who is wanting to do things in people's lives. So we can live with comfort knowing that. But also I wanna encourage you because God is still on his throne and Jesus says, I will build my church. We have such an opportunity to step out of our comfort zone and take Jesus to people. And we can take his love, we can take his comforts to people who need it. Because we are seeing God working in extraordinary ways. I mean, there's uh, just about revival happening just down the road. As people are hungry, they're sitting with Bibles that they never had before in languages that they can now read and understand. And God is doing incredible, incredible things. And my last little thoughts I want to leave with you as we end today is that of surrender. We don't need to fight and stress about all of the things that are going on in our lives. I don't want you to get confused uh, with being uh, lazy and not working hard in our lives. There's a difference between working hard and, and fighting uh, against the Lord and, and uh, living with anxiety and fear. I think there are a number of us who need to uh, come to a place in our lives where we go, okay, God, this situation with my family, uh, this situation with my kids, um, I, I'm going to surrender to you because you are my mighty God. And so I'm going to let you do what only you can do. And so I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to repent of everything that I need to repent of in my life, but I'm actually going to let this go and I'm going to surrender to you. That might be, and I want to encourage you, something that you might need to do for the very first time in your life. That you've actually never come to a place where you've gone, God, actually, I've never surrendered my life to you. I don't live as though you are King of kings and Lord of lords. I don't live as though you are my Savior, and I'm trying to do everything in my own strength. I'm trying to sort my life out in my own strength. I'm trying to sort out my finances and everything in my own strength. I'm fighting against all of this when I could just surrender to you. And as a result, we don't live with comfort. We're living with anxiety. We're living with stress. We're living with fear. Worry dominates us. And not this posture of God, you are God. And I am not. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. I am not. And so I'm going to surrender. I'm not going to fight these battles because I'm going to let you fight because you love my family more than what I love my family. You love people more than what I love people. And so I'm going to let you do what you can only do and I'm going to surrender. I'm going to repent. I'm going to just trust you. And God, I want to step into your comfort knowing that you, mighty God, are with us in our lives every single day. Let's just surrender now in this moment to the Lord. And, and if you're wanting to experience that uh, in this moment and in your life, why don't you just as, a, as a, just a response, just open up your hands to the Lord and invite him into, into your life now and just say, Jesus, I want to experience comfort.
bring me to a place where I can understand and, and experience you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I know this year has been tough, God, but I just want to surrender my family to you. I want to surrender my finances to you. I want to surrender all my worries, all my anxieties, everything that I wrestle with. I don't have to wrestle with the worries of this life because Jesus, you wrestled in Gethsemane. You fought on the cross. You defeated death. You defeated shame. You conquered sin. And so I am in your relationship with you God bring me to a place of comfort so that I can then be comfort to others and so God for everyone in this room for everyone that's listening God I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit you would bring your Holy Spirit and comfort our souls because you are who you are and you alone are worthy and so we just surrender all of that to you Jesus in your holy name Amen